Hi, I'm Jacqueline Pelfi with Sanford Health News. We are here today with Dr. Sam Milanovich to talk a little bit about pediatric cancer and research and personalized medicine. Welcome. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks for coming here today. Um, first of all, tell me a little bit about where you're from and how you got into who decides they want to be a cancer doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, so I'm a pediatric cancer doctor and a cancer researcher uh, here at Sanford Health. So uh, my interest is in uh, both taking care of children and uh, young people with cancer, but also uh, studying the causes of cancer and how can we learn more about um, uh, what causes cancer and why it responds to treatments. Did you start out wanting to um, work with children or wanting to work with cancer? Which came I, first? I had a little bit of both. You know, I've been, I think like so many of us, cancer touches uh, our lives in different ways. And so, you know, as a uh, science major and a, a young medical student, sort of I was curious about the biology or the causes of, of cancer, what makes it you know, happen and behave the way it does. Uh, and that kind of coupled with, as I started getting into clinical medicine, just the, uh, you know, I enjoyed the, the challenges and rewards of working with children because you're also working with families in that, in, in that case. And so that sort of spoke to me and, and was kind of my calling was to help uh, I've, kids. I've heard you say before that um, working with kids is so different because they just kind of roll with things differently than adults. Yeah, kids. You know. Kids are amazing. We can learn a lot from kids. They will. Um, maybe sometimes they just accept things uh, a little uh, more f at face value. Less um, jaded than the rest. Sometimes, of us. <laughs> perhaps, yes. Um, and, but kids also really understand things uh, a lot more than I think we often uh, give them credit to. And sometimes just listening to to what a young person uh, is trying to tell you, um, you can learn a lot. Well, I think that um, knowing that you have to explain all of your work to uh, very young folks will be helpful for me today. Um, so I'll be able to hopefully understand as much as they do. Well, you don't know, you know Jackie, that you know, children have a, their minds are more geared toward, <laughs> towards learning. So uh -oh. <laughs> sometimes that might be easier. I better put my mind yeah. in a different gear today. Um, tell me a little bit, you know, we talk, we've done a lot of these podcasts where we talk about um, personalized medicine, which is that seems to be what everyone is calling it now. We've kind of given that a, a different name over the years, trying to find the right fit. Um, but what exactly, how do you define that in your work? So, I, you know, when I hear about personalized medicine and this kind of became more of a hot, you know, uh, hot topic or, you know, a topic of discussion over the last several years, it kind of hit me as that's what we've been doing for even longer in, in pediatric oncology, at least. And so, to, to me, that means learning as much as we can about the biology of uh, a patient's uh, tumor or their cancer and understanding, you know, what that, how that's driving that tumor. And then how can we use that information to better tailor uh, the treatment for the child? So we use a combination of a child's DNA and how they respond to treatment to really, you know, dial in what we think is the best uh, treatment possible rather than sort of a, a one-size-fits-all uh, approach to treatment. And what does that look like? I mean, does that mean that you, you figure out the right thing faster or does it reduce your trial and error? Like, how, what does that really look like? Yeah, so, ground? I mean, we really do it through clinical trials. So we've ran generations of clinical trials over decades. And what's an important part of what we've learned is that when we do those clinical trials, we collect as much information as we can from a patient's cancer. So the DNA of their cancer, which is different than their own DNA, right? So a tumor 
uh, a cancer has, by definition, is going to have mutations. And we can find patterns of mutations in different tumors. And so what we do now is when someone's diagnosed with cancer, uh, say leukemia, which is the most common, it's blood cancer. Mm-hmm. It's the most common cancer we deal with in children. We run a series of tests to find any combination of mutations. And we combine that with um, how the patient responds to the initial couple weeks of treatment. And then based on that, we uh, assign uh, specific treatment regimens based on that, including sometimes adding specific drugs that directly align to or match up with a specific uh, DNA mutation that we found in the tumor. And we hope to, through future studies, find more and more of those kind of direct matches. That seems kind of crazy, right, that you can find this, this specific thing that might work and, and different, even maybe then from when you started, right? Are oh, right, yeah. It, it, it's continually uh, evolving. And one of the challenges is as, you know, genomic technology and science is advancing and we can, you know, understand and, and using computational uh, biology, understand the complex interactions. Um, it is a challenge to take all that complex science and uh, convert it into you know uh, meaningful uh, information for patient treatment. So you do a fair amount of. How is your time split between research and and practice? Is that the right word for well, it? <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you know, clinical or patient care yeah. and research. Um, you know, as a as a physician who also does research, it it kind of intertwines a lot. Um, but my my break uh, my breakdown's about fifty fifty. Um, it never really feels, I don't know where one stops and the next starts, right? And <laughs> right. Which is part of the enjoyable part of, part of my job is, you know, I'm, we're learning about research, we're conducting clinical trials, which is research, but through that research, we're also uh, doing patient care, you know, finding the, the best clinical trial uh, for the right, the right patient. So it's h- hard for me to say that there's a, there's a hard line there, but. Do you, um, how many clinical trials do we have, do you know right now that are involve some of your patients or the, or the, the work that you're doing? We, we have several clinical trials. I, I did not uh, pull the list. That's for, okay. I know uh, we have over 300 have in general. Yeah. We have a ton. Yeah. I, I can tell you that per percentage of uh, patients, so pediatric cancer is yep. much more rare than adult cancers, we have a very high relative uh, percentage of, of clinical trials. So we, uh, in, in pediatric oncology, are able to enroll our um, uh, patients on clinical trials. We have uh, even just uh, some sort of simple registries, right, where we can collect tumor samples and collect information. So we might not have a trial mm-hmm. um, where we're testing a new drug or combination of drugs, but we have uh, those kind of trials where you, we can at least learn more about the DNA of your tumor and how you responded to standard treatments. And we have that open and available for every single patient that we take care of. I always like to remind folks when we do these that um, you're under no obligation to be on a clinical trial and that you don't, you still get the same standard of care if you're involved in one. It's not that you, you get less care, you just get that care plus some and that you can um, choose to not be involved in it at any point, right? Correct. Sort of the yeah, patient it, bill of rights about Yeah, that. absolutely. It's always up to the, the patient or in this case, the patient and their families, whether yeah. or not they want to, um, you know, conduct clinical trials. As pediatric oncologists, we um, do lots of clinical trials, and, and first and foremost, we always are about giving our patients what's the best option. And so there are often times where I'll say, you know, we have a clinical trial that, while technically you may be eligible for it, 
in in our judgment, based on everything we know, we don't think that that's the best treatment option for you. Sure. So sometimes that comes from us as providers saying, yeah, there are clinical trials, but um, you know, we think there's a, a standard of care that is very good and you should uh, do that. But the flip side is it's also not a true. hard sell on clinical right. trials. <laughs> so many people are interested in clinical yeah. trials. Some people are not. They're not, you know, that um, they're not comfortable with the, the concept or, or that particular clinical trial. And that does not at all impact, um, you know, the quality of care that we deliver. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the research that you're working on. What's exciting about it in a, in a level that uh, so I can I, understand? You know, I think there's, <laughs> you know, we're, we work on research on, on different levels. I think some of the exciting uh, things that we do is, one, we're part of a, a couple groups of children's hospitals. So we have an international collaboration called the Children's Oncology Group. And that's really exciting because through that, we're able to open trials across, across the country and we partner with Europe. And we can really uh, design some pretty innovative, uh, detailed clinical trials to really start to get down to some of these uh, to start to answer questions about treatment for different kinds of tumors. So like, what are the questions you're asking? So it's just, you know, for some of our tumors, we have pretty high uh, success rates. So meaning we treat your uh, cancer. So for instance, childhood leukemia, um, some of the common subtypes, we have more than, you know, 90%, you know, long-term survival. You know, wow. 95 in one of our last clinical trials was, we had a subset that had a 99% survival. So, but in those cases, we're left with a lot of, Toxicity, and this circles back to personalized medicine. So we can, we can, you know, treat the leukemia and make it so it never comes back. And so many of our patients go on to live, um, you know, pretty happy, healthy lives, but not as healthy as they could be. So our, our chemotherapy right now causes lots of complications: um, heart disease, lung disease, um, problems with the ability to have children later in life. Um, you know, some cognitive effects. So you know, it, it's one thing to at least treat the cancer, but then we're left with a lot of sort of collateral damage from the treatment. Mm -hmm. So we are designing trials to help, you know, uh, be more uh, precise in our treatment uh, and hopefully limit uh, some of those long-term or, or What does that effects. mean to be more precise? So that, that's a, you know, that is learning as much from our previous clinical trials and then about the individuals we're taking care of. So what is your exact uh, tumor DNA, and how does that tell us which therapies it's going to respond to or not? So you may remove some of the things that you would, if you're doing exactly. like a blanket treatment, if, maybe you take some of it out. Exactly. So if, you're, if you show us signs of being a very high responder, we can take away some of the more toxic uh, okay. chemotherapies. Sometimes we incorporate uh, pharmacogenomics. So we do some genetic testing to see how you metabolize drugs, and then that can help us uh, start at a different dose and thereby reduce some of the side effects um, we may cause. And we talk about that a lot on these podcasts, um, just about how time-saving that is for people to sort of feel better faster with, not specifically in cancer, but in different areas. It, it's a little different in cancer, but the same thing. If we have a, a treatment that if you metabolize it slowly causes side effects, it then needs you to take, you know, one, feel sick from those side effects, and two, we have to pause your treatment, you know, that's, that's not optimal for your treatment. If we can predict how you're going to metabolize that drug and get you the right dose to, to get in that, that spot where we're, you know, maximizing treatment while minimizing reduce the side effects, that, that's beneficial to the patients. How does it feel, you know, 
seeing that now compared to when you started to know that, which maybe wasn't that long ago, it was a little while ago, you know, um, we'll have this conversation again in 10 years, right? Okay, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but to know that you're able to maybe not cause some of that collateral damage yeah, it's, as, a, as a provider. Yeah, as I look back, and that, that all comes from clinical research and the trials we've been able to do and how we combine clinical trials with the biology that correlates with it to help understand. You know, our, our trials are a lot more sophisticated. We use a lot more uh, the tumor, the genetics of a patient's tumor um, to be more specific with the, the treatment. And our, our treatment, you know, arms are a little bit more complicated than they used to be, but I think that is to the benefit of our patients. And then it probably feels good, you know, like maybe you're, someone's not going to have some of the issues, as many of the issues, or to such extent later because right. of treating their cancer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to see, you know, some of the, you know, the strides we've made and that we are continuing to uh, improve um, our rates of uh, long-term remission, mm-hmm. uh, essentially cures, and do that with a little bit less side effects is, is very rewarding. You also appreciate that it's, a, it's incremental. Um, you know, it's, it's step by step to, to get there. And that's kind of how clinical research works. Well, I think that uh, I have a little bit of a better understanding. Okay. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on today and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Jacqueline. My pleasure.